welcome to episode four of Oaken Bros. I think we have to stop saying welcome to episode four. What if we're like on episode 200? You going to count? Yes. 110%. Really? We have a very special guest today. I don't know who this lady is. <laughs> <laughs> we just met her outside and said, would you like to be interviewed in our podcast? She said, sure. I have nothing else to do now. Story of my life. Seriously. Yeah. Welcome, mom. <laughs> Thanks for having me here. This Oaken is our mom, <laughs> Phyllis Oaken. Who is the founder? Karen Hornick Oaken. Founder of BLS, creator of the Oaken Boys. Creator of the Oaken Boys. Yeah. That's an awesome title. It is. You should put that on your card. Yeah. I made these two idiots. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you're idiots. (laughs) I think you're very special. That's not what you say when the cameras are off. (laughs) You idiots. No, that was your dad. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. You always back this up. Yeah. So I have a question for you. Sure. How does it feel to be an icon in this tr- in the travel industry? Because I, I, from what we've done in the past year and a half since Dad passed, we have gone and we've met with some incredible people, and everyone always says the same thing: Phyllis is here, Phyllis is here. We they stop everything they're doing. Phyllis is here. Phyllis is here. What does it feel to reach that status? I mean, I know you're not you're very humble and you're not cocky. You know, I'm not trying to sell you at all, but like. I've known you now for 41 years. I've been closer to you than dad has in some <laughs> respects. Um, I want to know what it feels like to hit that status. And we, I don't want to even talk about books yet because like that's a whole other, that could that's be a, a whole, like a whole uh, podcast. Yeah. How does it feel to reach Metallica level status, right? Metallica is an icon in the music industry. Madonna is an, an icon in the music industry. Phyllis Oaken is an icon in the travel industry. Thank you, by the way. Thank you. But I, you know, to to say that I have a, I'm I when they say Phyllis is here I hear mommy is here right. that that's what I hear I don't hear Phyllis is here that the icon is here for year I'm doing this 48 years right. 48 years sitting on the phone I know these people the way I feel like I know my own kids mm-hmm. I've been through their graduating college some of these people some of these people who are presidents now I met them when they were in the mailroom. Mm-hmm. When they would call me and say, oh, my God, I have to look good. And I worked with them hand in hand. I, you remember the phones in the kitchen, right? Sure. We had an in-going and an outgoing. So we were learning together. Mm-hmm. I had babies in the background and they were tolerant of, you know, me throwing up when I was pregnant with Eric. And, you know, you answering the phone and saying, my mommy will be right there. You know, mm-hmm. they they really stood by me. So, you know, we kind of built the business. And then as I learned more. What one of the tenets I've always taught you is share your knowledge. Share. Don't be greedy with what you know. Mm-hmm. Always offer to help, network. Even if you don't like that, even if you know the person's not really with you, it doesn't matter. Always be positive and share. So I have a reputation of sharing whatever I know and helping people. So when I hear Phyllis is here, I'm not hearing icon or Metallica status. I'm mm-hmm. hearing, oh my God, Phyllis is here. She'll always help you. Mm-hmm. She'll She'll give you a hand. Oh, yeah, that's how you lived your life. Yes, yes. Yeah. You know, whether it was parents in the carpool or, you know, another mother or, you know, a, a grandparent. I mean, like, well, you know. Why don't, why don't we start from the beginning? Give, give your version or give the version of how BLS was created. You know, it's really, it's, and it's, 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 it's an interesting story because my whole life it was all about getting an education, you know. And then I met your dad who was an immigrant. and. He, I pushed him to go to school. So he went to school for about an hour, you know, and he said, this He never graduated college or he did graduate he college? He didn't graduate college. Who knows college. if he graduated high school? Yeah. No, I think he did. Know. He told me, he says, you can't get to the army if you don't graduate high school. That's what he told me. I mean, he could, he could have been lying, but. Who knows? He, he, I don't know. If, I don't know. Now I know where my son gets uh, <laughs> his hatred for school from. Well, he, he had a lot because he came to the country where he ended up as an immigrant too. So he never quite fit in anywhere he was. And, you know, he came to this country in the 70s and he didn't speak English much when I met him. And I pushed him to go to Nassau community. I thought he'd make a great physical therapist that he had. He was the most caring man I had ever met. He could look at you and know what your issue was. And I didn't know, but he started driving to make money for an engagement ring for me. He started driving for a buddy. And once he started driving, he just loved it and he saw he saw opportunity he was a visionary and his biggest issue was he couldn't verbalize it because 
language was hard for him. And even once he learned English, he couldn't sell that way. Mm. It, it just wasn't as natural for him. We all followed him because we saw the success he had. But um, I was really the one who would talk. And, and I was his mouthpiece. Mm -hmm. So he, he started. Did you have, did dad sit down and say, this is what I want? Yeah, did he, he did. Sat you down he, did. Yeah, so did. he did. So like, I remember you guys would always say that you guys had a plan. What was your plan? Well, he, when he started driving and, you know, and he made enough money for the ring and I was graduating, I went to college, Queens college, and I was a social studies teacher. I got my degree in three years because I went summers because you know was always with me rush right i had to help him he needed money i right. worked two jobs and i lived at home and whatever i made i gave it to him so that he could survive mm -hmm. and uh, he was cleaning basements he was driving up and down the lie fixing cars that were broken down back in those days it was just different and he would that would give him pocket money <clears throat> so he uh he came to me and he said i i think i can make a lot of money doing this and i said are you kidding i mean who uses limousines right. back then it was you know to be successful you had to be a doctor lawyer and accountant right yeah. right like who uses a limousine entrepreneurship wasn't it, it's not only that eric if there's you always needed... been entrepreneurs eric it's just but in the just car the service business it was it was in its infancy i mean there were you go watch the aviator with leonardo dicaprio they had a premiere at Man's Chinese Theater, and that was back in the 1930s, right? right? Then the 20s or 30s yeah, or something. There were always companies. Yeah, there right. was Ascot, and it right. was Harvey's in New York. And, I, you know, we didn't know about those kind of things. I, I, I mean, even when I went to college, I think I would have been, had I known about publicity, I probably would have been yeah, a great publicist. Right. But it wasn't even not. You were either a, a, a nurse. You, mm. you got the choice of a, a nurse, nurse a teacher. or a secretary. You or know, you want to be a teacher or teacher, which right. is what I took. I wanted to be a lawyer. So what was what was your and dad's plan? Well, so, well, so like, when he sat down with me in my right. mom's kitchen and said, I'm going to do this, I was horrified. I said, people don't use cars. You use your parents to go to the airport. Who uses cars? And he says, I'm telling you, there is a way to make money with this. So he started by working the Empire State Building. He would go in and they were a group of uh, hustlers. They called them hustlers. And he used to park in front of the Empire State Building and pick people up at, who were leaving, you know, the building at five yeah, o'clock. Going home, going, going to home. the airport. Right. And he would, and he started building a client list and mm. they would start to call him. And then we got married mm -hmm. and he, you know, I was teaching, I was subbing and he, he didn't want me to sub. So he said, you know, I really need you to sit home. Was that a hard choice for you? Yeah. Well, I love teaching you know i i enjoyed it i saw a career for myself mm -hmm. you know did you give him heat you said no, i can't i never get no you, no so you said he said i don't want you to teach anymore i want you to become like, the I, first we, female dispatcher he didn't, he didn't know it, that's not how it how he said i need you to be home to help me build this business it wasn't like so it really stayed, was his idea yeah it was his idea right. and you know i remember going to my parents and saying well i'm giving up teaching he wants me and they were like ah, you we sent you to college you graduated you're, you're working you I said, but right now I don't have a regular job. I'm just subbing. They were paying me a hundred bucks a day. It costs more for me to get bucks a day or a hundred bucks a week, a hundred bucks a day. It wasn't bad. That's yeah. Bad. But by the time you, you know, cleared and right. the car and the gas and, and I, I used to sit fully dressed at six in the morning, waiting to see if I would get a call. I would lay in bed fully dressed, waiting right. to see if I would get picked to sub for the day. And, mm -hmm. you know, is I think 109 days to the year. So do the math, you know, it, it right. wasn't a lot of money. And I was teaching all the way in Plainview. We lived in Queens and it was a schlep. So I said, look, you know, okay, I'll do this, but on one condition, I want to start a family now. Mm -hmm. Because all my friends- Were you married then? Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, we were married um, about a month. Right. <laughs> and so I had said to him, I'm happy to do it, but- Was it exciting to like start a, a startup? I mean, I, know I know, First of all, we didn't know it was a startup. I didn't know what those, you, you guys really have taught me a lot. We didn't know it was a startup. It was just, you were surviving. Mm -hmm, you were surviving. Right. And I, if I could help him because mm -hmm. he couldn't get on the phone. You see, I would start on Wednesdays. I would pick up the phone on Wednesdays and start calling all the other limo services in the yellow pages of Queens and ask them if they had any extra wedding work on the weekends. We would look, I would look for, you know, funerals. If you got a funeral, it was great because that was good money. Right. So we would look for a funeral or we would look for um, 
you know, weddings. So I would try to book him up for Saturday. The max you could do is three weddings mm -hmm. Saturday and two weddings on Sunday. And it's so it, funny that when we were looking for venues um, for Alex's bar mitzvah, we ran across that we came across this venue in Bayside, in Bayville, Long Island, and this limo guy, Kresge. Oh, right? yeah, right. That? Yeah, he was the, one of the, the same, first. The same guys right. that were doing the limos back when dad started. Fast forward 50 years later. Right. Well, it was, right. His, it was his son. It was his, his well, son. his son's doing it now. Right. right? Yeah. But like his son is now doing the wedding business. Right. It's, some guys, they, you know, he's clearly making a living. He's doing fine. That guy, Eddie Kresge, the father, taught yeah. me so much. And I was the first girl doing this. And I, right. you got to know, I was 20 years old. Right. And I would call up and say, hi, I have a car. And so they, you started with farm at work. I started with farm at work. And then right. dad hustling. And dad hustled the city. And then um, he made a connection at Bermuda Limo, which was like iconic. Bermuda was, and they still, still is, the, they still the wonderful are. service. Right. And, and Bob from Bermuda, Bob Verde, yeah. was a terrific guy. He was mm. such a yeah, nice talk, man. Talk about a legend. Yeah. 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 Talk, about, talk about an icon. Right. Yeah. He was He, he, was he such created a, the industry as we he know He did. It. He, and he was He was a the quintessential New York company. He was a terrific, and I used to call his dispatch. So what did you learn from Bob, Bob Verdi? Like what call, did he teach you? Everything. He, yeah. I would call him up and I would How say. How do you price a ride? Exactly. Right. Do I take this ride? What do I do? And he used to give us farm out work. And dad still, to the day he died, he still talked about going to the Republican National Convention Reagan, right? when Reagan got inaugurated. Not he only he went. eighty, right? But they get my, at that point, my father owned a car. He had a 75 uh, limo that we bought from a guy named Tiny in Roslyn. Oh my God. And well, when your grandfather sold his store, he had no way to make a living. He was 65 years old. Well, who, um, who was in, who, who made your first limo that you bought? Um, oh, oh, it was, uh, it was Jacob Javits old car. We bought it. It was a 69. Borrowed, you borrowed 1200 bucks. 1200 bucks from my little brother, from the youngest brother. Big he shout out 30. to Stewie Hornick. Yeah. Yes. Lightning roadside. Lightning yeah, roadside yeah, all day. Yeah. Jane Glass and yeah, Matthew Max Matthew, Yeah. And so Stuart was a big old 13 and he loaned me $1,275 and we bought the first car. We paid him back and, mm -hmm. and dad jumped right in to work. You know, what was the aha moment for you when you realized you can make a living doing this? There's an aha moment. <laughs> we're still there <laughs> well, I'm waiting. Still okay. I'm waiting. well i was talking about this with anthony and stuff i still feel like we're a 50-year startup every day it yeah. feels like we're we're behind and we're just we're gonna make it we're gonna make it and right. we're gonna make it and yeah while well, we're successful and we're we're solid it's just amazing to keep trying to get there and what you realize is that you never get there it's all about the process 100%. of doing it well, you know what it is. If you can't enjoy this, you're gonna hit you. You, you know, you're not gonna be able to be an entrepreneur. No, that's right. And you have to live. I have a friend who's a teacher, right? And so she used to often say to me, "I couldn't live like you. Like I never knew what we were gonna have." Oh, it was the, it, what's Tony Robbins says? It's uncertainty. Yes, that's the thrill of it all. Is that the uncertainty is you don't know if you're gonna make it or not. I mean, right now, what's happening with our book business? Right. You don't know if it's going to get made into a movie. I mean, it's not making much money. It's paying for a few lunches a week, but like that's about it. It's paying for more than a few lunches. It's paying for a staff of one. Oh yeah, it absolutely. Is. It's paying absolutely. for publicity. It's paying for the marketing. Yeah, but when but I say lunches, it's it's a small. It's it, no money. There's no money in it. No. But getting to the next level, the process, the process, right? And I bet you, when you get to the next level, there's a level above that, and then you know, there's a level like above that. Michael and I would always talk, and we're like, it's going to change when we get this account. And then we get the account and it never changes. It does change. I'll it tell you how change, it changes. But, but, then, but then we shift our sights onto something else. The no, joke, no, is, the no, joke no. is between Eric and I, the joke is when we get this mega account, we're finally going to be happy. And happiness, <laughs> well, listen, happiness comes every day. Happiness doesn't yeah. come when you get an account. Listen, what it is, is that what changes is if it's just the two of you or if it was just daddy and me, if we would have we would have had that aha moment. But every time we increased, we took on the responsibility of providing service to these high volume and important, these Fortune 500 accounts, we had to invest in the company. So it changed step, the dynamic. Every step of the and way. And we're right. still doing it. Right. You know, here, you know, we this year has been monumental in bringing on, but what have we poured back into the company? Yeah. So it's not that you're actually 
directly benefiting. Right. You're, it's all a building it's to me. Building, right. To me, it's a giant crap game, and 100%. we are just going. We are just going for the gold. You know, explain right. your obsession with craps. <laughs> <laughs> it's our mother. Our mother. It is my fault. The Desert fault. Inn. The Desert Inn. Nineteen ninety eight was New Year's. Nineteen ninety eight. I was at the Desert Inn, and I said, you know, I was don't tap the table. Sorry, I was. Um, I don't remember how old I was. I think I just turned twenty one, and I said, Oh no, I was twenty years. I old. I was actually on a cruise. No, it no, was, no, no. It was the, it was the Desert first? Inn. Di. Nope. Yeah, Desert Inn. Nineteen ninety eight. It was New Year's. We were with Zadians off. Yeah. yeah. And I said, I'm not playing blackjack. I'm not playing roulette. It's boring. I want to learn craps. And I went to a craps table and I learned craps. And then a trip or two later, I showed mom, and I'm saying this now embarrassingly, <laughs> our mother is the largest craps player on the Vegas Strip. Female. Female, female, female craps, craps player, player on the Strip. Yeah. yeah. And that's not something. Very really proud be. of mom. Yeah, we are pretty proud so of mom. So mom, what, 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 you know, we always compare craps to business. Right. Do you think that's why you like it so much? Because yes, it's not just, without a doubt. It's just the thrill, thrill of it. It's the thrill. It's the uh, anticipation. The moment, it's the, it's the momentum. It's building momentum. It's the anticipation. It's the excitement. And I do like not knowing. I mean, when I think back, I mean. You like the certainty of it. You you still like the certainty of it. You you like knowing that like we're going to get this account or we're opening in the city. Can, it's going can, to be successful. Can mm -hmm. I tell you something? I'm very positive. I always feel that. It's going to be successful. Yeah, I yeah. go into everything yeah, knowing yeah, that we are going. We are going to make it work. Right. You know. You know. Make it work. We're going to do everything. But that's how you feel about walking up to a craps table. You say, yeah. "I'm going to. I'm. I'm going to stand here and I'm going to hit my roll. I'm going to. I'm going to roll for an hour. Even if you don't, you still. And just just like in business and in craps, those dice, it's unpredictable, and you never right. you never know but what's going to happen. You turn but, the unpredictability to. I always feel that nothing happens without a reason. Everything sure. happens with, with, for a reason. So if you don't get it this time, it's coming up and you're going to be better at it. You're going to be better prepared and you're going to make it work. Right. I'm the eternal optimist. Right. I am always, for me, it's, and your father was the eternal pessimist. pessimist yep. And but I was, you need that yin and yang. Right. Just like between. No, you don't. <laughs> you, you do. You, you, you have to have all different points of view. And you need you a devil's advocate. You definitely need a devil's advocate. Right. You well, know, he, just like I'm more practical than you, you're more of a dreamer. Yeah. Right. But that's our yin and yang and it works. Absolutely. Because I'm always right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe eventually, but you know, I have cooler big, heads will always prevail. I can't do what you do. And I know you, you see my vision and yeah. I understand when you're cool, calm and collected, I, you know, when I'm like, come on, let's open up in Washington. Let's open up here. Let's open up there. You go, okay, well, let's put the cards on the table and see what's worth it. And what's well, not. well, listen, opening up in DC, Albuquerque, Chicago, Atlanta, Atlanta Hartford, Stanford, Hartford and Stanford in one year. is pretty damn ambitious, right? Six cities in one year, right? You right. know, we're definitely building a, a ridiculous brand and product here, right? But in addition to New York, LA and Vegas, yeah, as and that, the, that's as, just that's just this year, right? But you know, being concerned. Thanks, but, thanks mom. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, kids. Yeah, you guys did it. I mean, hang I, on. How long have I wanted to? I, our whole it's lives, been we decades. To we to weren't open. ready. I know. We weren't ready. I know. Daddy couldn't do that. I know. No, it was. No, it he was, wasn't traveling to Atlanta. No, it, it wasn't that. He it, he didn't want you to understand. He was afraid of risking Daddy as much yeah. as he was a risk taker. Once he got sick. He became he, he everything changed for him, right. and fear holds you back. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he was just trying to hold on to his world had shattered. So it was fourteen years. I mean, he was the longest living. Uh, Eric and I had front row seats. Yeah, we saw it every you know, day. he 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 had an, an amazing run considering the the scope of his disease. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think the only thing he felt he could control was to keep what he felt was the business intact his way. Why, how did you learn to go after the entertainment industry? We are, we are the number one ground travel event. I'm not trying to sell this to the, to the audience. Whoever's listening, whoever's not listening. We, BLS is the number one ground travel vendor to all the studios and let, let me Let me stop you right there. We didn't know anything. So you, you would have just stayed with proms if dad wasn't like, start going after Hollywood. No, you know? he didn't say it like that. What happened when Hollywood came to us, we didn't go right. to Hollywood. We were doing, he was act, actually pretty big in the garment industry and the shoe industry. His first client that he was driving full time. Bob, Bob Campbell. No, 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 it was actually Mike Goldstein. And oh. then Bob Campbell was, you know, was what BBC Imports was one of the companies that 
that Mike brought us. And we all signed confidentiality agreements. Right. So, uh, <laughs> well, they're, you know, they're, you know, in the, in the industry, they, they if you read any trade papers, you're going to find, well, uh, Mike of course passed away 40 years ago, but, mm-hmm. um, he, he was driving and we were building a customer base in that, in the industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, up until recently, you know, cause many of those guys are now retired or they, they've passed away. Um, we were still driving a lot of these garment companies based on what dad picked when up. When you first started. When we first started ha- right. Hallen Apparel. They, there were a lot of them around. Right. What happened was um, Dave L, you know, a company by the name of Dave L, right? That was back when David Klein David created Klein, it. Right, which daddy knew David Klein. I actually Klein. think it's Davel. Uh, we always say Dave L. Yeah, but, but it's, 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 it's Davel. Who, gi- who gives a shit? <laughs> well, <it> was <laughs> like, David, really, we're going to... Listen. It was based on David Klein. Big and, shout and out his, to Dave L and Scott Sombrino. Great guy. Love Scott. We love Scott. Love Scott. Nothing. Scott's Scott's an icon. You're talking yeah, about an icon. It's very Scott's true. Yeah, an no, icon. Absolutely. So, uh, and the L was Mitchell, which was David Klein's um, lover. So, anyhow... No, don't be so close to it. Anyhow, what had happened was... Right. Um, there was a company out in LA by the name of BLS and, um, Al Altman was the yeah, owner at the time your New York operation was it's called Columbus, was right? called four star, no, four star limo, Columbus, Columbus, getting things confused here. It's four yeah. star limo. It was four star limo and, or first class. No, you were four star. We were four star. And so we started as first class, then went to four star, I think, or was the other way around. I don't remember. And, um, he needed a New York affiliate. So he gave us two accounts mm-hmm. and we took you in the car. One guy was running in the New York marathon and daddy had never been to Staten Island. Mm-hmm. So we put you in the car. It was in the middle of a hurricane. It was around this time of the year. Crazy. How and old we, was I? You were um, eight. Well, you were born in May. So figure out it was September. Wow. So we, five months old. Yeah. Without a car seat. Cause we didn't have one. <laughs> Four <laughs> so, months old. Yeah. yeah. And we took you to uh, where the New York, you know, to the starting point of the New York Marathon in Staten Island. Right. And uh, I remember being on the Verrazano Bridge and the waves were coming up to the bridge. It was like, it was like a hurricane, but right. he needed to know how to go. There was no ways. We used maps. He couldn't read maps because English was hard for him. So he had a lot of challenges. Maps. Yeah. He had dinosaurs, had giant paper mats, maps driven right. across the front. And I used to, outline where he had to go on the map in marker i remember those days. i mean like yeah. it was like cro-magnum and um and the guy gave us two accounts and we pulled it off and then he kept saying you should change your name to bls and we really thought a long time we, it wasn't a um like oh we should do this no we were afraid to change our name mm-hmm. but we we held i remember we would we would lay in bed at night and we'd hold hands and we'd say, well, what do you want to do? Right. And we'd say, well, let's give it a shot. And you talk about plans. We always had a five-year plan. So daddy said, let's try it. Let's give it five years. And that's how we planned our entire life. Everything was in five years. Mm. And um, we said, okay, we'll change the name. And uh, I ordered uh, the phone book for LA, the Yellow Pages. And it had an egg timer. So I used to put you downstairs and you'd watch TV in the den, Sesame Street, from four to five. You'd watch Sesame Street. Mm -hmm. And I would sit with the yellow pages and I started at A. And I didn't stop until I got to Z with that little egg timer so I wouldn't go over three minutes because we couldn't afford it. And you just started cold calling? Cold calling and saying, my husband owns a business. And I I wouldn't get anywhere when I said that. So I started saying, I own a business. Mm Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, these assistants and secretaries or whatever would say, you know what, I'll give you a shot. And I would call them back. You can't believe, I'm sorry for interrupting. It's a great story. I want you to continue. You can't believe how powerful a cold call is. That people are genuinely, if you come off a certain way, if you come off all salesy and everything, it doesn't work. But I have made a million cold calls in my life and you can't believe on how open people are. Well, it's also timing. It's absolutely. all about timing. Yeah, it's, it's all the, the the universe has to be on your side, and you know, just absolutely. right, right place, right timing. But it's it's a brute force game, mm-hmm. cold calling. Yeah. It's hard. It takes a lot of guts. <clears throat> so to, you were cold calling at people in LA from your kitchen in New York. In New York, on the from the, directly from the Yellow Pages, right? And I it, back then I had this photographic memory like yours. I don't right. have it anymore. I think my brain is too cluttered. Right. And 
I used to just remember names. I remembered that, you know, Joan or Aisha, whoever it was, whoever these, I would remember. And you still would, have those books. Too. I do. I so do. Funny. I have those phone books and I would write down mother sick, uh, single has a child. Whatever it was. Oh, you talked about everything, but use use my service. You right. Said, Hi, you know. Right. Yeah. And we talk yeah. about homework. We talked about all kinds of things. And I right. tell you the story all the time about how, when the first time we went out there, Daddy sat in the car with you guys, and I went in, and I would wait in in the anteroom with the assistant while all the other limo guys were being ushered into the office with the executives, and nobody wanted to talk to me. But, you know, I made the best out of the situation. So I would sit out there with the secretaries and I'd make them laugh or we'd talk. And what nobody realized was who's ordering the cars? The secretaries. That's right. Oh, in this day and age, the politically correct term is executive assistant. Yeah, right. And, you know, and that's how we built it one client at a time. And each person. What was, what was your big break? Who, who is it that said, you're in, let's do it. Let's go. And you knew that there was no going back to teaching. I'm going to say Connie Casella. Big shout out to Connie yeah. Casella. We were, Connie Paul. We became amazing friends with the Casellas. Who was, Con- who is, yeah. who is Connie Casella? Connie Casella was head of Paramount Travel. Mm-hmm. And, Paramount um, Studios. Paramount Studios. And right. we didn't have a lot of account. We had, it was, it was Linda Kennedy, who was also a huge person for me to meet. And she was giving us universal Lou Wasserman and mm-hmm. um, you know we were getting there was like that was also a huge turning point when I went into that universal office and I landed Linda Kennedy mm-hmm. um, she was given to us by Al and I I nurtured her and please and, no we're not revealing our clients this this is what happened in the early 30, 80s right, 30 right. years well ago. Linda's retired and Connie of course retired 20 years ago but um, I said to Linda who else can I meet here I need right. more and she said Connie Casella and I made it, Eric was three months old and he was on the bed. There's a picture of me. Daddy took a picture of me on the phone with Connie and I was playing with Eric on the, on the bed. He was laying on the pillows and I was tickling his belly. And, um, and I called Connie and she said, well, I said, we, we didn't, we were out of money. We couldn't stay the extra day. We were there for six days. And she said, well, I can't see you. She said, but I'll, I'll give you a try. I just, and again, it's timing. She was having trouble with the current vendor. Current vendor. Right. And she said, I'll give you a shot. But I didn't know if she was actually going to do it. We went, right. I, we went back to New York and I ca- called her a few times. Mm-hmm. And she's all right. You know, and she gave me the head of procurement. And I remember. Bingo. Yeah. Right? I, I didn't even know what procurement was. <laughs> oh my God. When you get the head of procurement in, I had uh, no idea. <laughs> Yep. And and she procurements are gods in uh, in, 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 in any system in corporate travel. Yeah. Who knew? Yeah. Who knew? They're amazing. So, so at this point, did did BLS of LA close down yet? The original BLS? No, they were still there. Okay, so get into where BLS closed, and then was, you had the. It was all happening at the same time. That right? was about when it happened. Right. So when I met Connie, you know what was happening was it was a father and son in L in LA and. You know, as with a lot of people in this industry, they just felt stuck and they wanted to make more. So they bought a bus and buses are either, you know, great or they're the kiss of death in this industry. And what happened was they They, had they didn't manage it well. I think these days people are managing it way better. There's way more regulation. The buses are made better. Right. But back then that put BLS that put BLS LA out of business. Yeah, they went out of business. They went bankrupt. Mm -hmm. Dad always said buses were a curse. Yeah. And we don't own buses on our fleet. And that's the first thing we tell people when we're in an RFP. You know, we don't own the buses. We're not a bus company. We can get you buses. But it's, it was never our business. It wasn't. It yeah, was, Daddy yeah. always said, stick with what you know. Right. That was yeah. something. He lo- Dad, I love the idea we love of luxury. Chauff- chauffeured car. Yeah. Right. No, he loved Mercedes and Lincolns. And- well, you have to understand, he was a control freak and he could yes. even fix the car. Like he knew every right. aspect. Oh, of- I never even thought of that. Oh, no, he probably, Michael. He, he that was fix a bus, so. Right. That was really important to him. Right. He could always fix a car. So BLS LA closed, and then what happened? Um, we went on our merry way, and um, yeah, we, we didn't. We sh- they didn't open up in LA. Right we weren't away. interested in it. You know, we were fine the way we were. Running, and then, running the house out of your home, running the right, business out of yeah. running, running the business out yeah, of your we home. Ha- we had those were know, fun days. Yeah. yeah, those were so fun, and we were doing great. You know, at that point. Your grandfather's store had closed, so he got a car, and I was farming at work to him, and he was doing a little work. We, I think we had three cars. 
Um, I still did wedding work on the weekends and we were doing during the week. We had, you know, these accounts that would call us. There's a, a famous story about how um, you had spilled Cheerios all over the upstairs, Michael. Yeah. And um, that was like I, two weeks ago. Yeah. And I went and I vacuumed and the phone rang and I missed the call. Yeah. And, um, and I ran down and I was so upset and there was no star 69. You couldn't find out who called back then. Yeah. So I went through my, my phone book calling every single client until I got to R and uh, I found out who had called us and he said, Oh my God. <laughs> look, look, look at this. You built a beautiful business without the internet. Right. You built a beautiful business without, without, cell, without phones. cell phones, right. without computers, without right. apps, without, without, pod, without podcasts. Without podcast. You built a business. What, what is anyone's excuse to say, I can't do it? To, to, not, to not take the tools that are available to fear. everyone now. Fear. Fear. Fear and, not, yeah, and fear. not cooperating. For instance, Jane, your Aunt Jane, yeah. um, was working in some place and uh, she would say, I don't know how you make so much money. And I turned to her and I said, I don't know how you're not. And she, you know, yeah, she thought truth. about it. And, and I, I think her mind exploded uh, when you said right, that. I did. And right. she always brings up that story. And then I said, you know, Stuart is never going to get ahead if you don't team up. Like yep. if you're not going to team up with him, you can't. You, it's really, really hard to build a business alone. You need your whole family. Well, involved. Napoleon Hill calls it the mastermind group. Napoleon Hill and Think and Grow Rich says, if you want to build a business, Henry, it, it was Ford's business, but Henry Ford had a group of people yeah. executing his vision. Right. He couldn't do it himself. Uh, Henry Ford, I think, didn't even graduate high school. But you know, there was a great story in Think and Grow Rich where he says, where he was being sued for something. And the, the lawyer said, Mr. Ford, you know, what's the capital of, um, of Hungary? And he says, hold on. And he tells his assistant, go get me the person to know who, <laughs> what the capital of Hungary is. And he's like, no, I want you to answer. He goes, I don't need to know it. My team needs to know it so we can grow. Right. But that's, that was exactly how daddy. Right. When you have a mastermind philosophy. group and Stuart and Jane have that mastermind um, group. A hundred percent. They have the support in their family to, right. to flourish and to grow their business. The four of us have, we included. Yeah, we're including Kevin. The only reason Kevin, why Kevin isn't here is we're missing a set of headphones. So, <laughs> right. Both, right. We're, we're going to get. We didn't really here. feel like talking about like bourbon and scotch for, for an hour. <laughs> bourbon, scotch, poker, and. Yeah, when red we say meat. the four of us, you know, right. I'm talking about dad. It's oh, dad, dad, mom, okay. the, the four of us, the mastermind group, and then bring in Marilyn, bring in Vinny, bring in Kevin, bring in Marvin and George, right. bring in Mike Rappaport, bring, bring in Nick. Bring in these P Arlene, bring in these people who helped execute, bring in Kushner who helped execute right. mom and dad's vision because m there was a point where you had to get off the seat, right? You, you couldn't be making the cold calls. Yeah, that, that and Carl, Carl, everyone, oh, Carl, everybody, you know, yeah. we're saying, Paul, we're saying everybody, we, 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 Crystal, right. yeah. now, Anthony. now like we're enlarging Travis, our, our Travis, circle. William, Travis, Travis, William and Angie. yeah, Travis, right. William, and it, it, it's like choosing children. I couldn't do what Travis does. And we learned that lesson when we opened in Vegas and oh I sat God. down and I thought I was like, I used to be able to queen dispatch. Right. Who I, just got dethroned. Yeah. I was, <laughs> I got real, kicked, real kicked. quick story. We opened in Vegas the first year and it was, we were having a hard time hiring people and we had, um, it was CES, but there was a convention before CES. I don't remember what it was called. The it, porn star convention. No, that was, that was, it was two cement. years after. It was cement. No, it wasn't the cement convention. I think it was CES. It was like a year or two into our opening in Vegas. We literally had no idea what CES was. This was 20 years ago. Right. We, and we, we didn't, we didn't know what it was. And, and I was, I was taking work. Take I was it, like, take yeah, it. take it, take it. Sure. No problem. And we only had a 15 car license back then. And I remember turning to the two of you, you guys were dispatching mercy, big shout out to mercy Medina, uh, for opening Vegas with us. She, you know, she was at the USA dispatcher and we put her in Vegas because she volunteered. Who wants to go to Vegas? Mercy's like, I'll go. So we put her in Vegas and she did a great job. And then job. all of a sudden one o'clock was hitting. And we had a hundred rides to cover and we were like, we have 15 uh, cars. We tried calling farm outs. Yeah, and that was, that was the last time we sat at dispatch. That, yeah. Yeah, we never, completely blew that. Never again. It's not like that today. Right. Well, because wood. you have experts because, that, right. that yeah. you've trained. Right. But, but the mastermind group is people getting together with a common vision. And I think that you, you and dad, and dad always dad, had a common vision. Uh, well, you, you and dad surrounded yourself with people who shared that same vision. No, we convinced them. No, it was a matter of convincing them. Right. Daddy was way ahead of his time for our group. Right. 
his his my father was stick your nose to the grindstone and work until you drop. I mean, you know, he he felt that way with the hardware store. Yeah, you know, he just he had he had no way of knowing where dad was going and daddy couldn't verbalize it because he didn't speak the language well enough to say this is what i want to do and in all fairness he didn't even know what he knew what he wanted but he didn't know how to get there right you know it's like you know people ask how we did it and i always say we made it up as we went along it was trial and error and we didn't see anything as mistakes so much as learning experiences. Everything we did. You still do, right? Yeah. We take away from it and say, okay, we're never doing that again. All right. So, you know what? I want to ask you a question. Your favorite pastime, besides obviously seeing the grandchildren and all that stuff, how has yoga made you a better businesswoman? Well, yoga teaches me not to react. When I st- First of all, yoga yoga's really been... What, how'd you start yoga? Like, well, what, what's the story with yoga? Because I, you know, uh, just a kind of a thing before we begin. My, you've been doing yoga for twenty years, fifteen. But 15 only that years. you are a cancer survivor and a heart attack survivor. That's right, right. Because, yeah, yeah. And we think that you know, I'm listening to this great guy, Doctor Joe Dispenza. Now, this guy is unbelievable, and he says that all disease is created by stress. Yeah, and you, you activate these these genes through stress. Mm-hmm that caused the cancer and the heart disease and whatnot. When um, dad and my mom got uh, cancer within three months, lung cancer, and I knew my what mom. What year was that? That was in 04. And um, <clears throat> I knew my mom was terminal from the start, and they pretty much said daddy was terminal. You know, he was stage 3B lung you cancer. Turn your head, just turn your head into the microphone because it's kind of hard to hear you. He was stage 3B lung cancer. And uh, so she was diagnosed in February. He was diagnosed in May the first week of May. Mm-hmm. And um, I knew that um, I was going to have to be able, I was going to have to take care of both of them and the business mm-hmm. and you kids. You were still, I in my, you know, you still needed me. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I was just out of cancer. I think it was um, four years and out of my heart attack, seven years. So I knew I had to take care of myself. So I asked Robin if she would come to that. I knew it was Robin, Robin, Robin. Appel. From always in home yoga, I asked Big her. Big plug to Robin. Yeah, Robin, she saved my life. Yeah, and I asked her if she would come to the house twice a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one hour was an oasis. You know, it was an hour twice a week. So those two hours were an oasis in my in my life. And I was really out of shape when we started. Mm-hmm. But she, you know, I I studied ballet when I was a kid, so she reawakened those muscles. She brought back the memories of those exercises. And it really helped. Yoga gave me endurance mm-hmm. so that I could um, endure. And it gave me strength. And I think that, you know, when you do stretches, it, it opens you up mm-hmm. and you breathe. I mean, through um, the doctors were always offering me Prozac or whatever. They would say to me. We, well, doctors treat the, the doctors don't treat the root of the, the problem. Right. They just treat the problem. Right. And I said, I don't need it. I'm right. fine. I mean. I wasn't fine emotionally, I knew, but it gave me a chance to breathe. And Robin used to just, she would text me all the time, breathe, don't forget to breathe. Like she, if she knew we were going in for tests or right. there were so right. many times they were on the verge of dying. Like, you know, I used to, one would go 104 in. 104 fever, pneumonia. fever, right, collapsed lung, you know, um, blood, right. blood, you know, not working the way it's supposed to work, right. you know, heart attacks, the, all kinds of stuff was going on. And I would get one into the hospital, bring bring that one home, and, and the then the other one went in. They would get, it, was, it was hard. It was hard. It was very difficult. And um, yoga, she would constantly write to me and my say- My throat just like, <laughs> I swallowed my throat. was like, <laughs> right, in my, right in my ears. You want a bacon cheeseburger today? <laughs> Made me hungry. I yeah. know. So I, she would just write, breathe. And, and, you know, that's what you do. Yoga gives you time to reflect, breathe, be mindful. Before well, mindfulness, yoga, yoga, yoga can be anything, right? But you definitely need time to decompress in life. I feel that weightlifting did that to, for me personally. Mm-hmm. That weightlifting, um, you put a stress on your shoulders, you put a stress on your arms, and it and just makes the muscle bigger. And I feel that you know I've been weightlifting now. We we tried it years ago, twenty years mm-hmm. ago. We tried going to the gym and really changing our bodies. Well, my but, success with exercise is that you have to do it every day. Hundred percent. Every day, some form little, of physical exercise. A little bit every day. Right. That's that could the be, key, though. Yeah, that could a be a little difficult. bit. A little, a little bit every right. single day, and that works for me. Not to say some people may want to work out three times a week for two hours a day. That's fine. Right. 
for me, I like I like exercising 10 or 15 minutes a day. Did you do that today? Did you work out today? No, not today. Okay. But what do you do? Like I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it later this afternoon. But what do you do? What's your schedule? Uh, wake up at around five, go down to the basement, do my exercise routine, take a mm-hmm. shower, come to work. I'm usually here by about 6.15. What kind of exercises do you do? I don't think I really want to get into that because this, this isn't a health show. Well, no, it's, this it's, isn't, the, this it's isn't the, a health my, show. My point, no, no, I know that. The point is, is that what, what are you doing to I'm allow doing, that discipline? Because it, somebody, but, it, but the point is, is that it doesn't matter. People have to figure that out for themselves. Right. I, I don't want to give that advice. I can give advice on the universe. I, can, I, I don't want to give advice on specific things. Mm-hmm. I just want to tell people what I'm doing and then they can make their own judgment calls and do what's right for them. Can I, can I ask you a question? Yeah. And I'll tell you, this is to me the beauty of yoga. And right now I bought myself a bike. You know that. You yes. guys were against it, but I bought a helmet. It's not, it's not a Peloton. Yeah, it's not a Peloton. Uh, I'm not, I was never against bike. Yeah, everybody I love was, that you're on a bike. Yeah, but but I stay in our little development and I, and I wear a helmet and I'm careful. I have my phone on me. So, so the, and I don't do anything silly. So the, the point is, what do you think about when you're doing exercise? Right. That's the point. Nothing. That's the you're point. You're concentrating yeah. on you're the muscle. Giving, it's a, that's, it's a, that's the whole no, point. No, you're resting. Yep. Right. You're resting your brain. You're, right. you're, people don't, we don't rest anymore. Right. D- Daddy was a big proponent of resting. I mean, right. I wasn't. And he used to make me sit down in the afternoon and he said, I don't care what you do. You're going to sit down and you're going to, that's what he did with you guys. Four o'clock, the house shut down. Right. And he wanted siesta, you. It's so funny. Time. Siesta time. Morgan Spurlock, um, you know, the, he did supersize me. He did some great documentaries. He's now my friend on LinkedIn. And he, I looked at his page and he had this thing saying, is busy or better? Does no. busy mean that it's, you're having a more productive day? You know, I didn't read the entire article, but I, that kept that, that that's a, something similar to what you said that like, you know, we're busy, 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 but are you getting anything accomplished? Are you, are you, you know, are you really, you're pushing yourself unnecessarily and you're not even getting anything accomplished. Before we get too much off topic here, I wanted to kind of bookend this and I want mom to end with how she actually opened up in LA because we got a little bit off topic here. Oh, so, so let's, um, let's go back to that and then we should probably stop. It doesn't matter. It's 40 yeah, minutes. Well, listen, there'll be a part two. So, <laughs> No, Listen, this is the we, last time she's we on. Just scratched, she, we just scratched the surface with these stories, with her experience, stuff right. like that. So but what happened was um, a few of the three studios came to us and they got Talking to the microphone. Yeah, three studios came to this us. This is the last time she's on. Yeah. Okay, do you understand me? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tell us more, mom. Tell us more. Okay. Yeah, just smack the over here. I got to tell you something. Before you start that thing. You're the first person I think I've ever seen on a podcast that can do an entire podcast with a snotty tissue in the hand. <laughs> okay. Show the camera. Show the camera. Yeah, yeah. No, right here. Show the camera right here. Yeah. I've been with snotty tissue I've been watching mom. it the entire time. Right? The big, powerful CEO woman. She's like. <laughs> it's your fault. You had a cold. Fault. You had the cold last fault. week. Did you get a cold? I don't, I don't think so. I think it's allergy. You better get your shit together. Yeah, I know. I know. We, we're flying next trip. we have a big trip yeah, next we week. Flying. That's so why opening I rested. Up, opening up in LA. What uh, year did we, did we partner in LA? I, I don't remember the year. I don't remember. I think it was the early, it was the late eighties. I want to say it was, it was 83, 84. Uh, no, Eric was maybe a year old or. Maybe so I remember was, being at universal. That I, was 84, 85. Yeah. I want to say. Eric was, was universal and, and he, he had those chubby pulkies. My grandmother was gone. So it was 85. It was 85. It, right? she was, so what she happened? Had, she had died already. Get to the story. So what happened was uh, three studios came to us and pretty much said, we're going to write you a blank check. You got you to gotta do that. We need you. Right. And daddy was automatic. He was always an automatic no. He said right. no. And they and said- And you had to convince him? No. Like we really, I didn't, it wasn't, I wasn't sure what to do either. The, listen, the primary thing for me always was my kids. My, right. my husband, my kids, my parents, my brother's family. Family first. It's always been family first. Right. And I, I, I wasn't going to travel to LA. I wasn't going to leave you kids. Um, it, 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 and you know, like it was always about the children. Right. And they said, no, 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 listen, you, you have to do this. So I left, I went to LA and I met with them and I called dad and I said, they are suggesting Mike Rappaport who owns Columbus limo. That's where Columbus came in. He had three cars or four cars. And pretty much you partnered with him. we partnered with him. We didn't want anything. We, we just partnered with him. Loved him. Yeah, he was great. I loved, loved him. Yeah. I think Chris Farley running a limo service. He, he was just, he was the funnest. Tommy boy. To, he, he was, was the, Tommy boy he before was the Tommy boy. He was the funnest man 
He, on I the still, planet. We, Eric and I still talk like him. That's how much of an impact Mike's had he on our was, life. He was a wonderful guy. I loved him to me. He was, he became a brother yep. and mm-hmm. he was great. And eventually the, the relationship stopped. Well, it didn't, it, what happened it's just was, kind of fizzled it, it, away. It, it, grow, changed. It, it changed. Yeah. It changed. It changed. They changed. Mom and dad changed. Mike changed. And Mike got married, and I think he wanted a different life. This is being in the limo, and it's, it's twenty four hours. It's unforgiving. People, it's unforgiving. It's twenty four hours, seven days a week. Yeah. It takes over your life. No one knows that except like the people, like the limo guys that are listening right, right. now. Yeah. Right. It, it's not like you don't just go to school, mark papers at home. This is it's invasive. You could be. It could kids. be Sunday barbecue with your family, and you get an e- get an email from the, and it's the travel manager. It's immediate, saying wh- you know what happened here, and you got to jump on it. It right. doesn't matter, and, right. and we have spouses that understand that. We have children that understand that. Right. That you could be at a birthday party, and you get that notice, and and you can't say I'll handle it on Monday. No. You've got to find out what happened, why it happened, mm-hmm. and it's immediate, and right. life stops. Right. You know, life stops. So eventually, um, he he yeah, sold we, we, his we, portion. We sold when his you, portion when, and then you. But owned. you're jumping ahead, though. You're jumping ahead. Yeah, how is the, the growth with Mike? Well, when we know, got to LA, we we grew the business. But at that point, there was there was this birth of all these other companies. That's right. when you saw all the other, and I'm not going to mention them, but all the other companies came in. Originally, it was BLS and and Dave L right. in in LA and Harvey and um, Bermuda in New York and. Um, there was Ascot in New York and there was an Ascot in LA, but they weren't related. And all of a sudden you saw all these guys started buying cars. This was the days before regulation. These Well, what really ignited the LA limo industry was the Olympics. I was going to say that. Yeah. yeah. When was the, it really? Yes. The 88 Olympics. Everybody really? bought cars for the Olympics. Right. Everybody bought cars. And um, there were no regulations then. So every, 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 um, guy who worked as a as a telephone man or whatever they would go out and buy two cars so there was this this gold rush of of right car services in la and right. it was so funny how the limousine was king back then right like right. you had primarily limousines and there were limousines with pools in the back with these jacuzzis in right. the back dad it, was the first one to put a bar in it right daddy built a bar for his limo his 69 limo right he built a bar and he bought a little TV, a little black and white TV, and he put he put it in with you know those things that you hold your school bags with those rubber mm-hmm. things that they used to have that you used to hook your school. Man, bag. don't you wish he patented that? Yeah, <laughs> right. Can you imagine every bar on planet Earth we in the back of godforsaken yeah. business? Yeah. <laughs> and he did other things too. He put a fan on the inside of the engine. You know what's funny? I was we we saw a client yesterday, and they had the most amazing offices. Did you and see it, that guy when we walked past him? He didn't have a desk. He had a couch with a table and he had a flat screen on the wall. My point is, why'd you pick limos? <laughs> like, like we go to all these amazing places they and we service, all, they they service all these amazing companies. And like, it's, what do you it's, do? It looks, what do you do when you don't speak the language? You drive a car. You drive a car. You drive a car. He yeah. worked in a gas yeah. station and he knew how to fix a car. And he was working in this gas station and a guy would come to gas up. Mel Lightman would come and gas up the car. Yep. And Mel, Mel's wife, Gloria, had been, uh, she, they had a partnership and he ran a pretty big wedding business with his limos. Mm-hmm. And his wife was involved in a terrible uh, collision with a truck and she was brain damaged. And when she was brain damaged, she could no longer answer his phones. He never deserted her either. It was like a really, it was a beautiful love story. and. Mel would say to David, um, come to the Empire State, but get a car. Come to the Empire State, but I'll teach you how to hustle. And Mel taught Daddy how to hustle. They mm-hmm. used to go to the Empire State, and he taught him what to do. Mm-hmm. And I think about it. You know, Daddy didn't speak English well. He didn't know his way around well. And yet, what guts it took to do that. What advice do you have for an entrepreneur today? Not the big guys, not the quote-unquote competitors. What advice would you give? Mm-hmm. To someone who's a, a just starting out in, in any business, who want not, nah, you know what? I'm specifically saying the car service business because you had. We're getting younger, right? You went to on the floor. There were a few young guys. But entrepreneur advice is evergreen. So what? What would what you, would you give? And the same advice your father gave you when you wanted to open a restaurant. What did he tell you? Go work in a restaurant. That's right. Right. It may not be for you. Right. Right. You you may have an idea that you think, and don't expect because we we did another startup right with the books, which is yeah. another podcast. 
don't expect the biggest mistake people make is expecting to have success right away or that they're going to make money. It takes they're years. Oh it takes God. years. Yeah. That's it what takes. I said in Just I'm Ask the Universe. We're still waiting. Yeah, that's what I said. Still waiting. Yeah. We're still, you know, in Just, well, Ask, that, in Just Ask the Universe, you play, you know, an idea is a seed and you plant the seed. You can't expect a tree to grow overnight. That's why Gary Vee says he's like, if you don't, you have to enjoy the process. Right. right. That, Eric, I have loved every day of my life. And that is the greatest gift your father gave me. Right. Yeah. I have loved every day of my, I work with the best people in the world. They are my family. Every time we, me, we mentioned just a fraction of them. And I, I'm sorry if we left anybody out yeah. in our little Oscar speech. But let me tell you, I come to work every day. I see my children. I see my brother. I see my sister-in-law. Yeah. I, see, I see people that have become like my family. And, and it's so genuine. I miss them. Even the ones that left us, yeah. each, each parting was really sorry yeah. and mm-hmm. sad. Because I love those people. Yeah. And you know what? BLS is a WIP. Do you know what that is? Work in progress. That's the mistake people, you're never going to get there. <laughs> you're never going to get, it's just about the journey. Yeah. 100%. And if people accept that, they'll, they'll enjoy, be happy. They'll enjoy their life. What they don't understand is this is it. Right. This is it. Right. If you don't wake up every day and say, I love my life. I'm having a good time. I may have a little bump in the road. I may have a little bit of a, a sad day. Sure. But if you're not loving your life and enjoying what you do, then sit back, breathe, and figure it out. Right. Because this is it. There's no second chance. There's no do-overs. That was beautiful. That was awesome. With that, we have to end this. Why? Did we, that was the longest podcast we've done? Yeah, just by a few minutes. But you know, I'm a firm believer in wanting for more. So thank you, mom. That was awesome. Mom, thank, thank you. you kids. Thank that you. That was fun. You're never coming back on here. Again. I wanted to say that I'm really proud of you guys. Thank oh, you. Thank you. Yeah, Thanks, you. mommy. This is our most popular podcast. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. All right. Enough with the, enough with the fucking. So the, I'm Eric. That's Michael. That's Phyllis. That was the, fun, guys. Is, we're Oaken Bros. That's Oaken Mom. Oaken Moms. And uh, there'll be that more. That concludes our podcast. And uh, leave comments below. Subscribe. We got to start saying that, right? Subscribe. Subscribe. Leave comments below. And uh, yeah, thank yeah, you guys. And, and co- they need comments. Let them know what you like and what you yeah. don't like. Please. Cr- criticize the shit out of us. Yeah, no, yeah, we'll really. Take it. We'll take it. Believe That's me. how they will improve. Thanks, yes. guys. Thanks, See you all later. Bye-bye.